Hi, you're listening to Stefan Levera Podcast. Today, we're talking about DeFi and whether Bitcoin can do it. Should it be a thing in Bitcoin or is that just some altcoin gambling thing? Max Caden, CEO of Hoddle Hoddle, joined me to chat. This show brought to you by Swan Bitcoin. In their effort to spread Bitcoin knowledge and awareness, Swan is giving away a free book, Inventing Bitcoin, rated 4.9 stars by Swan co-founder Jan Pritzker. To get your free ebook or audiobook version of Inventing Bitcoin, go to swanbitcoin.com slash free book. All Swan asks is that you pay it forward. Share the book with at least three family and friends. And if you join the Swan force at swanbitcoin.com slash enlist, you'll get a special link to the free copy of Inventing Bitcoin that will help you recruit new Bitcoiners. You can share the book with anyone and if they eventually start sacking with Swan, you will get credit for that referral. Spread Bitcoin knowledge and Swan Bitcoin, the best and safest way to start accumulating Bitcoin. Head over to swanbitcoin.com slash freebook to get your free copy. Hoddle Hoddle is a peer-to-peer exchange with a new lending platform. And this is really cool because it's global, it's non-custodial, it's anonymous, and it's using Bitcoin Multisig. It's a fascinating new product allowing peer-to-peer lending and borrowing between users. Bitcoin is locked up in multi-signature escrow and the loan is funded using a stablecoin such as USDT. If you're a hodler who wants some liquidity without selling your Bitcoin, this is now another option to get fiat stablecoin liquidity. Or if you've got stablecoins and want interest, this is Bitcoin DeFi. With Hodl Hodl's Lend platform, you set your own terms and put up offers depending on how long you want to borrow or lend and interest rates. Go and check it out at lend.hodlhodl.com. Knox is a Bitcoin custodian dedicated to ensuring their insurance protection covers the full value of their customers' assets. For example, suppose a fiduciary wants to hold $250 million worth of Bitcoin with Knox. Knox will seek to obtain $250 million of insurance dedicated exclusively to that account and adjustable to volatility. No fractional coverage or narrow scope. Insurance for what it's worth, a tool to transfer risk. And check out my recent interview with Alex Daskalov from the team. If you are a Bitcoin company, investment fund, trust or family office, office, check out Knox for your insured custody. The website is knoxcustody.com. Max, welcome back to the show. Hey, Stefan. Thank you for having me again. It's a pleasure and an honor. Of course. And I know you guys have been working really hard. So tell us a little bit about what you guys have been getting up to recently. Yeah, we just recently, like two weeks ago, we launched our um, peer-to-peer non-custodial landing platform, which is called simply land at hodlhodl which is available by going through to land.hodlhodl.com um it's a peer-to-peer platform um we believe it's uh it's to some extent a bitcoin DeFi product and i mentioned specifically bit bitcoin DeFi because uh as i usually say always when there's uh, some kind of disputes or 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 People are like trying to argue with me about the DeFi and being a true DeFi. Uh, I usually say that Bitcoin DeFi differs from other types of DeFi, like for example, Ethereum one. But yeah, there's been um, it's been a long road actually. Still, still a long way to go with our new product. But you know, we were happy. We're seeing a lot of positive feedback, and, and uh, we actually see a lot of. Uh, user activity and volumes on our landing platform. Yeah, so it's interesting. There's been a lot of chatter recently in the more in the shitcoin world around DeFi, uh, but uh, you're essentially talking here about Bitcoin DeFi. So, how would you define DeFi? 
Um, yeah, I did my um, own research. Uh, I made a presentation during one of the conferences uh, a few months ago, and also I did a small article on, at, at the point when we were launching landing platform. And I actually defined it, um, Bitcoin DeFi, with um, three major whales, let's say, <laughs> three major cornerstones that, that, that actually... Um, needs to have any DeFi project that that, that is uh, done within the Bitcoin space. The first one was uh, non-custodial, obviously. That's 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 the core principle, being non-custodial and uh, not storing any crypto nor fiat. And uh, because again, it it aligns with the core principle of of Bitcoin not your keys, not your coins, or your keys, your coins. The second one is obviously allowing people to use your platform or use your product anonymously. It means that you don't do any due diligence or you allow them to use there without passing any sensitive data to the third party. And the third one is actually pretty tricky. I already argued with some hardcore Bitcoiners about that, is uh, not having fiat. Well, using stable coins instead uh, of uh, fiat. Why? Because um, well, when when there's fiat, there's always a middleman, uh, whether it's a bank or any payment institution or something like that. Uh, and whether there's the stable coins, there's um, the role of the middleman is actually almost eliminated because again, if you send Tether, for example, on a liquid network, let's say, then you do just a peer-to-peer. You know, I'm sending you directly, just like I do with Bitcoin. So yeah, these are like like three major uh, things that should any Bitcoin DeFi project have, in my opinion. Precisely, and so that's also been very much in line with the other products that Hodl Hodl has, which is also about this whole idea of non-custodial trading and so on. I think within this whole world of you know providing financial products in a sovereign way. I guess we could also talk about this idea of you know what it takes to make this kind of market work, and you know I think it's also important to consider you know some of us have been talking about this idea of order of operations that we have to get yeah. Bitcoin as money right first before people are coming out and doing all these kind of complicated you know extremely complicated financial instruments and things that were happening in the more in the altcoin DeFi world. Um, but did you want to just comment on whether those aspects of it have influenced? the way you designed Bitcoin DeFi at HODL HODL? I would say that we've built landing platform, which is obviously like, as I mentioned, it's the closest, closest to DeFi product that we've built to the date and uh, to this moment. And uh, I think we took a lot of examples and uh, we actually check it out and did our research on other DeFi projects like Ethereum-based project. And the main thing was uh, that we actually thought that we should make it um, simpler. I actually call it internally that we will build not a Bitcoin DeFi, we've built, we've built a simple Bitcoin DeFi because it's like if you will go on a landing platform and you will try to use it, it's in some cases, it's even easier to use our peer-to-peer lending platform than uh, centralized landing platform or custodial plat- landing platform in terms of UI UX of course there's some there's like still some features need to be added obviously but uh, the approach is very 
noob friendly i would say like we we as you mentioned pretty like i agree with you that most of ethereum based DeFi solutions are they're built actually for sophisticated people or for people who understand how crypto works or they're more in deep in depth with their knowledges about how there's all different types of blockchains work and all that stuff as for our idea the general idea was to make it as simple as it possible so that any person who is a little bit familiar with bitcoin and also some bitcoin or stable coins can use our DeFi project right it seems to me like as well if i had to critique some of the altcoin DeFi, in some cases it seems like it's just a bunch of insiders and people who are super technical basically dumping on retail and dumping on people who are less technical and don't really understand what's going on in that system whereas uh, when i've you know taken a look through hodl hodl land it really does seem more or like a simple, you know, you stake some Bitcoins as collateral and you get some stablecoin back as your loan and then you repay that loan. Um, I guess that's a very high level way of talking it, talking it through. Um, but perhaps if you could just talk us through what's the process there to do this, you know, uh, as you said, non-custodial anonymous lending. Yeah, well, the process, if the person is familiar with follow follow trading part, it's like pretty simple for him, way more simpler than, uh, than you know, using any other product out there. But if you're not familiar, so what you do, it's a peer-to-peer marketplace, first of all. So you need to create an offer or you need to accept an existing one. There's a list of offers, like some of them offer to borrow money. Some of them are willing to lend you money. And so you go to the platform, you find an offer or you create your own offer with your own terms. Somebody accepts that. And uh, let's say you're a borrower. You want to borrow some stable coins. Let's say you want to borrow some teaser on a liquid. And uh, so you create a contract with the, with the lender. When this cre- contract is created, HODLHODL generates a unique multi-signature Bitcoin escrow account on a public Bitcoin blockchain. Uh, you as a borrower send their collateral, let's say one BTC, and you receive uh, when collateral is there, it's locked in the escrow. The escrow has three keys. One keys go to the lender, one key go to the borrower, and one key, in, in case of a dispute, goes to HODL HODL. And uh, when the collateral is in escrow, we inform all parties that you're free to proceed. So the lender sends you, well, agreed amount of stable coins. Let's say you have an LTU ratio of 50%, which means that uh, you will receive the loan, which is 50% of your collateral value, half of BTC, let's say. And you will receive uh, Tether directly to your Tether account, whether it's exchange or, or it's a wallet. You use it for, let's say, for a month and a uh, month is passed and you repay Tether directly to the wallet of uh, of a lender with his interest. Let's say it will be 1% per month. And he releases Bitcoins from collateral to your wallet. That's how it happens. So it's pretty straightforward. Nothing, uh, you know, there's no very sophisticated smart contracts nothing like that we just use bitcoin multisig in order to lock a collateral and we just made a lot of effort in terms of creating a proper ui as i mentioned it's still far from perfect but it's for mvp it's it's really really nice and we we've got a, a lot of positive feedback on that yeah and definitely looking through the platform when i was taking a look you can see how when you go through that uh process around 
you know, executing it, uh, you have to put in the the two addresses, right? So you put in yeah. the address of your bit, like the Bitcoin address that you want yeah. to be returned the Bitcoin yeah. to. And then also you're putting in the address that you want the, in this case, for example, liquid USD Tether to come to. So for example, the user might have Blockstream Green and they might be doing, like we said in this example, they're borrowing one Bitcoin's worth and, oh, sorry, half a Bitcoin's worth and they're putting up one Bitcoin of collateral. And so they would receive... In this case, uh, whatever it is, uh, you know, seven and a half thousand or whatever USD tether to their Blockstream Green, and so maybe if you could just talk us through a little bit around how that would look like from a like arbitration point of view, like if something goes wrong and how do you know when to fund it and things like that, uh, and also the other point as well, if you could just touch on this, is that obviously, as I'm sure you know, Liquid has confidential assets and confidential transactions. How do you deal with that? Yeah, so the first one regarding the arbitration. So when you, for example, uh, when let's go through all stages of the contract. Now, you are in the first stage, obviously, you just accepted the terms. Then the, the multisig is generated. Borrower sends Bitcoin to multisig address, which is obviously, and you can double check it at any blockchain explorer. We also give you a link right in the contract. We give you a link so anyone can verify that Bitcoins are there. Not only like, you know, trusting our system that we informed you that everything is fine that there's three confirmations and you can proceed with that no you can just you can double check by yourself in any explorer or in explorer that we provide then lender sends as soon as he is informed that everything is fine it's safe to transact safe to send stable coins sends the stable coins he actually uploads the link from a blockchain explorer which proves that he did this, did this payment and clicks that he has made a payment. Then the borrower on his side confirms that he received this payment and confirms that the amount was precise. And only when the borrower will confirm that, then the contract will move to another stage. So we basically do double check or we do double verifying of the transaction. I guess the other points to think about are the ways that you select and the ways people select their counterparty because in this case it's just shows a range of different offers and those offers are listed yeah. in terms of just the straight flat interest rate for the period and also interesting to note uh, we were chatting actually about this uh, at the bitcoin bush bash and uh, one interesting point that was brought up is that it's actually not an apr rate it's actually a term rate yeah. so for example yeah. if it was six months at six percent it's actually a 12 percent apr yeah. so the, like we're going to introduce the APR soon, add just extra, you know, extra field so that you can calculate APR as well. But we we actually did it on purpose, taking an APR because we have offers which are uh, like, let's say you are ready to lend money from two weeks to one month and uh, you want to have, you're fine with like receiving 1% both for two weeks and both for like, I don't know, for one month. So what will be the APR in this case? How you will calculate that? Uh, is it 20 4% APR because I want to borrow money for two weeks or it's 12 because I want to borrow money for one month. Like what's the APR in this case? So obviously we're, we're, we have uh, actually like long time ago, we already have some features on the roadmap, which will be added uh, in upcoming months. But we actually, and that's what, what why I was referring that it's pretty noob friendly. You know, we also had a feedback from people who are not familiar with the lending market and they say, well, for us, it's way more easier. There's no need for me to calculate the 
API, I just see how much I need to pay or how much I will receive in case someone will uh, take a loan or give me a loan. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And for me, I, that wasn't intended as a criticism. I actually think it is more simple. Uh, it's uh, interesting because if you compare to the normal fiat world, there's a thousand different disclosures and X, yeah, Y, and Z yeah, yeah. and this warning yeah. and that warning. Yeah. Whereas in this, in Bitcoin DeFi world, it's actually very, very simple. And I think that also contributes to really lowering the level of friction required for somebody who wants to get a loan, whether that is a loan for them to get business, to do a business or whether they are, they want to, you know, try and get more, you know, buy more Bitcoins and like kind of lever up using this. Um, but yeah, so maybe you could just tell us a little bit about what kind of opportunities you think this opens up for people. I think that in general, uh, you can just, uh, if you're not happy with the terms like you're like lending or borrowing money now from your custodial Bitcoin lender, and there's a bunch of them, you can just uh, become lender or borrower with your own terms. I think it's pretty obvious and peer-to-peer -peer lending is a new thing for Bitcoin, I believe, but in any case it allows you to having more freedom and more controls over your funds funds because uh, it's a non-custodial and i think that actually being non-custodial is um Sometimes it's even more important than being allowing flexibility to your user because, you know, as we saw in re recently in, I think yesterday was in news that there was, there's a one custodial lender who went to bankrupt, I think from 100 to 500 million of uh, worth of dollars are now like freezed within this lender. I think it's cred or something like that. I don't know, but there was a news and they, they, they were custodial and obviously not a good thing in crypto. But anyway, there are a lot of custodial lenders who are doing just fine and uh, they're doing a good job anyway. I'm not, not not criticizing. There's different approaches to to any any solution. But obviously, also this is a new instrument in terms of you know adding more BTC to your portfolio because we saw actually that the main use case at the moment is that people are using their own BTC that they have as a collateral. They're receiving stablecoin and they're buying more BTC in order to leverage their position, long position for a bull run. I I believe it's a risky thing to do, honestly, but it's a use case. Who am I to, to judge people how to, how to do and what to do with their own with their own savings or with their own Bitcoin stash? You know, I know that people are actually using that. Uh, also, there bunch of guys just making extra money they have some stable coins they don't want to be exposed to bitcoin volatility i don't know maybe they're non no coiners or maybe they like altcoins or whatever and they're happy to lend this money for 12 percent 50 percent apr per year and earn some just extra extra money so it's for them it's diversification or just extra income and they're in control of that obviously because they they see where's collateral they see how how it works and everything is pretty transparent in there and there's a third use case that might be where well obviously you you just need some money for a short term you are you want to you don't want to sell your btc you want to hold to that you want to be exposed to the price of bitcoin and um, you just go and borrow some extra cash to cover your needs not only liquidity needs in terms of trading but also i don't know maybe some other needs so th these are use cases that we we, we see now 
Yeah, I see. Uh, and so essentially, th there are some people who want to lever up and get more Bitcoin. There are some uh, on the other side who might hold stable coins and want some return. And as you were saying, there might be some hodlers who don't want to sell coins and perhaps they need to sell or they would otherwise need to sell to get living expenses. But they are obviously bullish on Bitcoin and they believe that uh, if they uh, take out this loan and they've got income to be able to uh, repay those expenses or the the loan at the end then perhaps that's an opportunity for them uh, i guess while we're talking obviously and we'll cover we'll get into risks soon um, but i suppose one other opportunity that might come to mind for some people is let's say you're a business entrepreneur and you have access to cheap fiat credit right that entrepreneur could theoretically go and get fiat loans uh at you know a couple of percent or whatever depending on what country and then so uh, as you explained there, some of the use cases there might be some users who want to effectively go long and use it to lever yeah. up on Bitcoin. There might be some people who have stable coins and want to lend them out for income. Um, and, you know, maybe there's some people who need to sell for living expenses and instead of selling, they would just, they would rather get a loan. Um, yeah. And then also there might be some users or some people who want to do it as a business model and perhaps they can get, cheap fiat credit and borrow at a very cheap interest rate and then lend out on hodl hodl's lens platform and then earn the spread as well so perhaps that's also that's actually you've just created a new use case so <laughs> that that might be a, that might be also one interesting thing i know that there are people who are trying to borrow money for cheap on land and then go to uh, other platform or use the same platform like lending and, and then lend this money. Um, I don't know whether they're successful, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's kind of a new business model, you know, taking fiat somewhere else and then converting it to stable coin and lending. That's, that's kind of, that could work obviously with the current interest rates uh, in fiat. So in some sense, then you're almost helping facilitate a lot of people who want to, you know, do that. And those business, those people who do that as a business model are effectively helping facilitate, you know, the people who want to go long on Bitcoin and so on. Um, so I guess, I guess there's some of the opportunities, right? Um, maybe we should chat about some of the risks then. So obviously the main risk for people will just be about getting liquidated. So I guess let's chat a little bit about some of those risks just so that everyone's aware what they're walking into. Uh, perhaps uh, you want to touch on LVR and you know what is LVR? What is an LVR ratio? LTV, loan to value or LTV, yeah. Uh, LTV ratio is basically uh, a ratio that shows you in each particular offer or in each particular lending contract how much uh, stable coins you will receive well, in the simple terms, you know, how much stable coins or how much the volume of uh, your loan will be uh, comparing to collateral that you will lock in. So, for example, let's let's take a simple example with numbers. Uh, you want to uh, you want to have a loan uh, worth of 5000 USDT. You need 5000 teaser. And in order to receive this loan, you want to lock in. 10,000 worth of uh, USDT in BTC. So basically, if you see uh, an offer which says, hey, this offer has 50% LTV ratio, that means that you will go and lock in twice as a bigger amount of BTC in collateral and you will receive 
5,000 USDT. So you will lock 10,000 worth of uh, BTC in collateral and you will receive 5,000 um, USDT back. So LTV also works as a ratio that will show you at which point you will be liquidated or uh, how much you have uh, extra, extra, I don't know, space in order uh, to be uh, sure that you won't be liquidated. So uh, yeah, liquidation is something that not very, not a lot of people familiar, although we were actually surprised because, you know, BitMEX is already um, on the market for quite a long time. And there's been always liquidation in terms of, uh, you know, playing this BitMEX casino, uh, as I would say, I, I do respect them. I'm just joking here. But in any sense, of course, we have a liquidation. Any lending market has a liquidation as well. Uh, what this means, it means that if your collateral uh, value falling down and your LTV ratio is actually increasing, that at some point, in order to protect the lender, uh, you will be liquidated if you won't do anything to balance your LTV ratio. Like, what are the options there? So we uh, currently, in the first version of lending our lending markets, we presented three options to not be liquidated, let's say. First one, you can, obviously, you can repay your loan earlier and receive back your collateral. That's one of the options. Another option, you can partially repay your loan Let's say you took 5,000 loan and you have 2,000 to repay and also balance your collateral. And the third option, you can add more BTC to the escrow. So the collateral volume will actually increase and the LTV ratio will be decreased. So these are three options. We're going to add more options in future. Like let's say you will be able to cover part of your loan paying out with BTC uh, that is in your collateral and partially covering with stable coins. And we will have different options as well. Uh, also, the funny thing is that we send uh, pretty, pretty uh, I would say we send a lot of different notifications in order for you to, to have a time to react if your LTV ratio is increasing in your loan and your collateral value is falling down. So we send four different types of notification warnings that say, hey, you need to do something about that. Or you can just uh, wait for another notification and then do something about that. But we are, we're, we're not the fans and we don't want to be uh, to face a lot of liquidations on our platforms. So that's why we do the like four time, four warnings instead of, two warnings that is the standard in this industry. And uh, yeah, we, we want to add more flexibility in order to, uh, so that people are not liquidated on, on, on the lending platform. Yeah. And so if we were to talk about the process then, so let's say, you know, uh, the user has taken out a loan and the price of Bitcoin starts to tank and now they would like to put more Bitcoin in as collateral. So what would that process look like? Would they send more Bitcoin to that same address or how would that work? You just go to the contract page, uh, to your loan contract page. There's a button uh, which, which uh, says uh, like, there's a button which you can 
press and send more to the same collateral, send more BTC. So there's, uh, as I mentioned, we've put a lot of effort in terms of UIX and everything is on the contract page. You just go to your contract page, press, press the button, there's an address, you just send to this address. I don't know how much you are willing to send and add extra collateral. And uh, as soon as it's there, we just inform that, hey, LTE ratio been recalculated. It's now better and uh, you're safe to go. Back to the show in a moment. This show is brought to you by Unchained Capital, building Bitcoin native financial services on a foundation of multi-signature. Their multi-sig vaults are designed for ultra secure long-term storage and have no setup or storage fees if you build them on your own. If you want the white glove treatment, their team will teach you all about multi-signature, ship you two Trezor Model T hardware wallets, answer all of your questions, then deposit $1,000 of Bitcoin in your vault through their concierge service. You can buy Bitcoin through their OTC desk for purchases $50,000 or higher straight into your new vault, which is great for self-directed Bitcoin retirement accounts and for companies moving Bitcoin to treasury. Their advanced business accounts, OTC desk and concierge service can also help move your corporate treasury to Bitcoin, where your team controls the private keys. Check them out and enter code LAVERA when ordering a concierge onboarding service to get $50 off. Go to unchained-capital.com for more info. Bitcoin Black Friday is coming up on November 27th. Go to bitcoinblackfriday.com. It's a project from the team behind Bitcoin Magazine and the Bitcoin 2021 conference. It's a celebration of the growing Bitcoin economy. On the site, you can find active deals for up to 50% off on your favorite Bitcoin gear and other merchants that accept Bitcoin. It doesn't stop with spending Bitcoins though. The Fold team has teamed up with Bitcoin Black Friday to bring you a special promo for the much-awaited Bitcoin Back Card. Spend fiat and earn Bitcoin. Now, if you sign up for early access for the Fold Card on Bitcoin Black Friday, you will be entered into a raffle to win a whole Bitcoin. That's right. Go to BitcoinBlackFriday.com right now and sign up for the Fold Bitcoin Rewards Card to enter and get a chance to win an entire Bitcoin. Now, back to the show. And also, just in terms of the warnings and the liquidation and so on, would it essentially, you know, so the would the HODL HODL system essentially send warnings to the user and say, hey, you're close to liquidation, either yeah. put in more collateral or, you know, et cetera, like take some action. Uh, and then once it hits that level, like let's say it was a 50% LTV, once it hits that, 50, like, so let's say the Bitcoin price, you know, dropped by 50%, is that the point at which it would be automatically sold or how would it or how would it work uh it's it's actually yeah it's actually liquidated uh, another 50 percent you need to also repay the interest of the lender obviously because that that was the agreement and we also have a liquidation fee because uh, you know uh, that's how we want people to stimulate them not be liquidated not paying to us extra fee so the your ltv ratio will be shown when you're in contract or before you're you're engaging in contract so and you will see at which point you will be liquidated so it's easy easy it, it it's actually pretty visible and it's easy to calculate by yourself before even engaging in a contract so everything is described on our website but anyway when you are if you're not taking any actions and you're liquidated at some point then the the process of liquidation started automatically because well we, we don't have any admin sitting there and checking your you know checking your 
your ratio constantly. You know, we have a system deployed for that. So the process is automatically, but as soon as the liquidation is there, admin receives a notification. Hey, there's a liquidation process going in that contract. He goes in, checks out whether everything is fine, whether there weren't any glitches or any bugs or anything else. And um, then you have basically 24 hours to react. Still, you have 24 hours to react. And you can actually, maybe you, you have money at that point, or maybe you can repay. And that's how it works. So basically, it's semi-automatical process. So the processing uh, started starting automatically, but you still need admin approval in order to release Bitcoin in favor of the lender. And that's actually the difference between uh, uh, other DeFi solutions, because there are automated and they are, and uh, that was actually Adam's, uh, Adam Beck uh, reference that he says, like, in other solutions, you are liquidated automatically. You don't have any option to avoid that. Now, with HODL, HODL lending platform, uh, you still have some room or some place for some time to take some actions and not be liquidated. So, yeah. Yeah, of course. And uh, look, I guess it's, yeah. And in fairness, it's opportunities and there's risks, right? And I guess one big opportunity for, for, yeah, for a lot of people is to also not, well, depending on the tax laws in the country of the person that if they are, you know, not selling the Bitcoin, then it's not a tax, yeah. tax disposal event. Um, but then they've got to trade that off against obviously the interest rate and the cost of executing and so on. Yeah. Yeah. But again, we, as we say, and we usually say that, and we also put a lot of, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to, to deliver this message to the community. Nobody told you that being your own bank is going to be easy. You know, you need to learn, you need to be cautious, you need to take, we just provide your technical tools so you can be in charge and in power of your own financial flow or your own financial assets, whether you're willing to trade them, whether you're willing to lend them, whether you're willing to borrow, we just give you a technical tools. If you want to be, be your own bank, be prepared, think about the risks, check out your statuses, answer or on any notifications or treat alerts like alerts, not just, hey, I still have three more. You know, we know how the price of Bitcoin can be. You know, it can fluctuate plus minus 10% per day, even more. So like, as I always say, and I always put a lot of effort on this message, like nobody told you that being your own bank is easy. You know, you want to be in charge of your money. You want to be in charge of your financials. Take a responsibility. Of course. Uh, I think that's a good um, message for people to bear in mind. Uh, also, in terms of risks, we should consider the risk of an underlying stablecoin failure. So, I mean, just again, a hypothetical, but if, if Tether were to blow up or whatever, um, what, what's, what are some of the things that can be done in that case? Or if, you know, if Tether were to, you know, to be found to not have, again, hypothetical, I'm not saying this, but just hypothetically, if there weren't, somehow they didn't have the right USD underlying and, you know, then uh, would the lenders be in trouble at that point? Well, there's still collateral again, and uh, we 
still can solve this hypothetical dispute issue. Collateral is there and uh, we will be just like, you know, uh, checking any use case separately. Of course, it will take a lot of work. But again, uh, if the, if we say that the value of the teaser will fall down dramatically, you're always, your price is actually tied to, to the value as well. Yeah, it's 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 the same risk with as with any fiat. So uh, I mentioned in one interview, if we consider that both uh, altcoins and fiat are shitcoins, then uh, uh, you know it's the same risk. You know, at some point, any fiat currency, as we know, can also be devaluated, and uh, your fiat loan will eventually become a pain in the ass. Sorry for my. Uh, for my bad bad word, but anyway. So yeah, before taking a, a, a loan, you also need to consider a stable coin uh, issuer risks. You know, like there's the, there's four options at the moment available on 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 lending platform. There's USDT, there's USDC, there's Dai, uh, and there's Paxos. So like most of them are pretty liquid and available in different in different on different trading platforms. So you need to understand what you want to take. There's 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 a risk in any of them. Like there's a risk with USDT, there's risk with DAI, with Paxos, with USDC. You just need to weigh all those risks and understand which risk you're fine with and which you're not. And that's it. Yeah. And in terms of stablecoin selection, how were the stablecoins selected, the ones that you wanted to offer as part of HODL, HODL, Lend? Yeah, we'll, we will definitely add more stablecoins in the future uh, because there's, there's like, uh, there are still few interesting stablecoins that we want to add. Uh, how we choose the first ones? Uh, well, actually, pretty simple. The most liquid ones and those who are represented on the big... Uh, big exchanges like for example USDT obviously the biggest stablecoin out there and uh, obviously presented at a lot of different types a lot of different centralized exchanges with huge pools of liquidity. USDC the same, PAX is the same and DAI also the same so basically we just choose those who are most liquid and with a big capitalization and available in different places. So that's that was the simple simple reasoning for choosing those, these ones. Yep. And so thinking about the hypothetical user, what sort of, um, I guess, that user who maybe hypothetically they have Bitcoins and they want to you know, get some USD to be able to run their business and things is essentially it's on that user to go and find what exchange to actually, you know, use that if they Mm -hmm. wanted to say transfer some of that USDT Mm -hmm. into actual US dollars to be able to spend on things if they were going to run an actual business with it or even for spending and so on. Uh, I guess there are probably other different services that could be used in conjunction here. So an example might be liquidity uh, by Yuri Degaya and the team there. Um, What what other kinds of services would you see being necessary to be used alongside HODL, HODL, Lent? Well, we... uh... Obviously, uh, the, the, the reason behind why we removed fiat is actually we wanted to remove frictions between uh, lender and borrower or between two parties. Because, you know, uh, like on peer-to-peer trading platform, sometimes we see that, uh, hey, there's a contract, there's a buyer and seller. Uh, one wants to sell, another one wants to buy. But then there's a middleman like between them, which is a bank. 
And then, uh, you know, one, is, one uh, sends uh, Bitcoin to an escrow, another one sends uh, fiat to his bank account. And then at some point, I don't know, bank doesn't like this transaction or he just freezes that. And, um, and there's a friction appears and there's a difficulties in contract, which is, which are, which are, uh, th these difficulties are not uh, hodl hodls difficulties for any particular user. It's just, there's a bank and then and it just, it just is. So we just uh, thought that we need to remove a friction between two parties. And that's why we removed the fiat. Uh, and actually we, we thought like, hey, let them uh, use stable coins as uh, like value transacting from one party to another. And then each one of them will decide which service to use on their own behalf in order to get fiat maybe or what they want to do with, with stable coins, we don't care. And uh, yeah, so I think along with, uh, with the lending platform, you need to use a trading platform as well. Not Hogo Hogo's trading platform in particular. Uh, I'm not referring to that, but it would be great, of course. But uh, you can use any trading platform that you want, uh, whether it's custodial, non-custodial, in order, for example, you want to get fiat, as you explained in this use case. Uh, well, it's up to you. Uh, then you go to any custodial platform, whether it's KYC or whether it's less KYC. You do all the things you need to do and you just handle all these things by yourself, not like applying those risks to your counterparty. Because he don't want to do this for, in your favors, you know? And uh, that's how it works. So I, I, I think there, together with lending, there needs to be some kind of trading platform, but it's up to you to decide what kind of trading platform you want to use. Of course, yeah. And uh, I guess, uh, yeah, so I'm certainly not saying this is your responsibility to help them, but I'm just saying it's just something that a customer might be thinking through that use case of, okay, so I've got my USDT. Now, how do I actually go out and, get stuff yeah, with it if yeah, I need to buy yeah, things yeah. and perhaps you know using some of these swapping services things like coin coin os like that wallet yeah. I think they can swap between bitcoin on chain lightning and liquid or liquid lbtc um so I wonder whether there's potentially something there or perhaps that user might then go and find somebody else who wants to buy liquid tethers off him and then he can yeah get get real world usd for that so I don't know I guess it just opens up additional possibilities but i think the hodl hodl lend product is kind of modularizing and taking away the friction of one uh, leg in that journey and then it's on the user to try and find the other legs of the journey that they need for their own purposes yeah because you know uh, we, we actually heard some it's it's two weeks since the launch but we already have uh, heard some weird offerings like hey guys if if my borrower will be liquidated will you automatically convert uh the, the bitcoin that are in uh, in collateral to stable coins that he owns to me and then send stable calls to me to, to me well no we won't do that because you want to stay anonymously and obviously we don't want to touch your funds nor stable coins nor bitcoin so think about it you know again we just provide you a technical tools and how to deal with all your cash flow, it's up to you to decide. You want to be your own bank. And uh, that's how it works, you know. Be prepared for different types of, uh, you know, situation out there. We will help you with providing secure escrow services. 
We will help you with providing technical tools with a platform that uh, you can use actually in order to do a peer-to-peer trade, peer-to-peer lending, whatever. But uh, it's up to you to decide which tools to use, how to use them, and to what extent to use them. So we want do your job, you know, automatically converting Bitcoin to stable coins, whatever. We don't have that kind of authority and we don't want actually to have them. And uh, the funny thing also why we choose stable coins, because it actually allows you to be, to be way more anonymous rather than when you are using fiat, because in a lending contract, you only share crypto addresses, like you only share stablecoin address and you only share Bitcoin address. Like if you would be using fiat, then most probably like in any peer-to-peer trades, you would share your banking details, which to some extent removes your anonymity. So with stablecoin, you're also actually getting extra layer of confidentiality and of anonymity. Yeah. And are there any thoughts in terms of, um, I mean, I've heard of different use cases for some of these stable coins. I've heard in some cases, people are in countries where they have capital controls, currency controls, and they sometimes use these stable coins as a way of reducing their exposure. Potentially, there will be people in, in who are sitting in that camp or in that boat who can actually take some of those stable coins and put, you know, put them up on the platform and actually earn some return on top of just storing their, some of their value inside USD Tether or some other stable coin as well. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, we actually have some uh, liquidity providers or big lenders who, who have uh, a liquidity pools with stable coins and j- they just like treat a uh, lending platform as an opportunity to earn extra interest on their savings or on their stable coin uh, liquidity pools so yeah that's that's a use case and, and it's pretty obvious and a pretty popular use case yeah for sure uh so look i mean the platform has only just gone live i mean it's been what two weeks or so yeah what's the feedback been so far well uh so far i would say 98 percent very positive feedback uh, <laughs> well, that's and, pretty good. And those two percent are not the bad feedback; just uh, feedback uh, on what we should add. Like, there's been uh, some traders requested us to add this APR stuff because you know traders they're used to other types of ratios than people who are just using uh, lending platform first time, or they're not using that pretty frequently. You know, for for. Uh, leveraging their own position. Uh, we had some requests um, in terms of notification system, which uh, part of this request will be already covered this week. We already developed some some extra features for proper notification. Uh, we have some requests for API, uh, which is also in works, and we're going to release an API for our landing platform uh, in upcoming months. But so far, the, the feedback is pretty positive. But again, it's it's a new product, both for us and both for, for market. So we, along with our customers or first First, uh, you know, first batch of users or early adopters, we're just exploring the use cases and 
understanding what needs to be added, what needs to be removed, how to simplify the solution. Because we are striving to create a simple solution, you know, not very sophisticated stuff, but just a simple lending platform, which is like easy to use and it's understandable. But so far, the feedback is pretty good. Um, Volume-wise and in terms of uh, actually numbers, they are better and we're surprised they exceeded our expectations. Uh, I won't share yet. Maybe when one month is passed, we will be able to share some stats. But I would say, you, uh, I would say one thing. Um, 24 hours since launch, we already had half a million of liquidity available on, on the lending platform, which was pretty significant volume for us. Like for a new product, it's pretty significant. But anyway, uh, we're still in, in the face of discovery you know, together with, with customers, together with users. And this week we are going to launch lending platform to US. So we will see. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about the journey um, with serving US customers. Yeah. So we will not uh, allow trading, uh, like use trading part, because there's obviously there's fiat and that, and uh, we're still not sure. We still have our own uh, legal preparations for that. Uh, hopefully we will allow this in, in upcoming months as well. So the trading part, which HODL HODL is currently also famous for. But with the lending part, uh, again, it's not custodial. We're not using any fiat there. And we did our consultation, we did our legal work with that, and we're actually pretty sure that we're we're good to go because there's no difference with, between our lending platform and other lending non-custodial platforms like on top of Ethereum working on uh, in US. So yeah, this will be, I think, um, first proper launch to US market. And we're pretty excited about also because uh, actually the lending business in US is, is booming and most of the well, majority of crypto lenders, big companies are from there, like BlockFi and Unchained. And uh, we see the huge market opportunity in there. And uh, yeah, we're pretty excited about that. I would say the same way we're excited when we were launching two weeks ago, uh, lending where we're at the same level of excitement in terms of launching uh, HODL HODL to US. And actually, we have a pretty solid, loyal base of I would say our fans in US who are willing to use some of the photo photo products. And I'm happy to provide them with this opportunity because they've been pretty supportive and, and um, yeah, they've been awesome. Well, if, we're, if we are entering a bull market, as everyone seems to think, I think this product will be quite a popular one. Uh, I wouldn't say that uh, it's, it's probably better suitable for a bull market. I would say yes. Because like, obviously nobody is willing to sell, but you still need to have a liquidity. You still need to pay bills and do something like that. But it's also pretty decent and good product for a beer market because nobody wants to sell again because the price is falling. And uh, again, maybe you want to, you know, buy the dip and you need some extra liquidity to buy the dip. So it's like, I think lending markets, are, lending and trading are suitable for any type of market out there, whether it's beer or bull, whatever. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's one of those things where a lot of hodlers are thinking about ways they can get more return or uh, get, you know, so they're thinking about, oh, okay, what about if I had a lightning node or if I'm earning, you know, coin join sats from like join market or something. And maybe this is another opportunity for some of those uh, hodlers out there who 
are looking for ways to either earn more using their stable coins or to with Bitcoin, you know, to get more Bitcoin and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, um, what's the uh, what's the thinking with uh, Baltic Honey Badger? It's a real shame we couldn't have it this year, hey? Yeah, but you know, obviously, there's a reason for that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> as as we see, and uh, I hope that uh, the, the this uh, pretty dramatic and pretty bad situation with the health. And globally, you know, with Corona and all that stuff, will will resolve at some point. Uh, honestly, we we would be able we, we would be able to do a virtual conference this year, but I'm not a fan actually of virtual experience. I just think it's it's different and not the same. So we're like we're hoping that we will be able and we are ready to organize the Honey Badger 2021. But again, it's it's not only up to us, you know. It's it's also up to uh, up to how the situation with coronavirus will evolve eventually. But yeah, we have plans, and uh, we want to organize Baltic Honey Badger 2021. Uh, thinking about it, we already have all preliminary agreements there, but we will see. Yeah, if if the situation will be good, then we will organize that definitely. Yeah, that'll be great to see. Hopefully, uh, it is back on uh, next year. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think it's uh, it's a, just. A, I agree with you though that uh, the virtual events just aren't the same uh, as being able to meet everyone in person. So, for any listeners out there who haven't been able to make it to one, uh, if it's on next year, make sure you do come along to that one. Yeah, as one as one um, as one uh, of uh, actually Australians uh, Bitcoiners uh, said to me, it's a like yearly pilgrimage of uh, Bitcoiners from all over the world to Baltic Honey Badger, you know. And we're actually happy that we we've managed to create a, such a cool event, and we're enjoying it by ourselves. But yeah, it, it, it this time it's not only about us, you know. It's also about uh, the situation in the world, unfortunately. Of course. Yeah, sure. Sure. Um, look, I think they're the key things. Uh, anything else from your end in terms of huddle, huddle and uh, things going on uh, on your end? Well, uh, yeah, well, basically we are going to shape our landing platform in the coming months, you know, adding more features. So we have a roadmap of that. Uh, so, so the platform will be more and more user-friendly from I think on a weekly basis, we will roll out something new and something small features or big features that will, I don't know, help you with the platform and will uh, increase your level of happiness when you're engaging with it. <laughs> but uh, we're also not forgetting about the follow follow trading platform. We're still uh, in the process of redesigning it. Hopefully this year we will be able to complete that because we also simplified pretty extensively simplified photo photo trading part. Uh, we also are doing our, as I mentioned, our doing our homework and legal work in order to allow US markets uh, and US users to use a trading part as well. And we also have a third uh, piece of the puzzle uh, with our within our ecosystem, which is, which is our prediction markets. Uh, we did launch it like more than a year ago. Uh, we didn't put a lot of effort to that, honestly, but we actually, it allow us to um, make a proper market research and it's going to be redesigned as well. We're going to release a new version of prediction markets, I think during 2021. So yeah, these are basically main 
plans for a future, you know, shaping our products and making them way more better, way more user-friendly than they are now. Fantastic. Well, that sounds great. Uh, listeners, make sure you go and check out Hoddle Hoddle. That website is hoddlehoddle.com and follow Max. His Twitter handle is Caden M. Obviously, the links will be in the show notes. Uh, Max, thank you again for joining me on the show today. Stefan, thank you very much. Um, I enjoyed the show. Hope you're, you enjoyed it as well. And thank you very much. Make sure you subscribe to the show using your podcatcher application. I've got an interesting debate coming up with Robert Breedlove and Jesse Lawler. Thanks, and I'll see you in the Citadels.